Welcome to the Authentic Confidence Podcast with Ben Foskey. Our mission is to help you find, coach, and communicate confidence in every area of your career. Join us for real conversations about how to build a confident life with world-class leaders, educators, and influencers. Welcome to Authentic Confidence with Ben Foskey. We have a very special guest with us today, Mark Derwachter, former superintendent of Kakana Area School District, now off into his new adventure of coaching and developing confidence in others. Excited to have you here, Mark. Thanks for joining. And want to start off, a lot of people are going to look at Mark Derwachter and say, beautiful family, beautiful house, life's come easy for you. You talk about leadership and challenges, but I mean, let's be fair. You, you've, you've had an unfair advantage in life. Things have gone well for you. What has been your relationship to confidence in your, in your journey with it? Ben, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for this opportunity. My relationship with confidence in, in this journey that I've been on is, um, frankly, it's, it's, it's been a love-hate relationship at times. There are moments that I walk away from something and I feel like, yeah, that's fantastic. I'm proud of what we've accomplished, what I've accomplished. Then there are moments is that I'm like, what in the hell was I thinking? And now I'm going to spend time and grinding on that and, and my confidence is going to dip down. So it's really this remarkable awareness and experience of highs and lows. Give me the journey, Mark. Where did you grow up? What was that story like? What brought you to becoming a superintendent? We'll start with the end in mind there, Ben, is that I, I got into education because of one reason is that through my journey as a, as a kid uh, back home in Keele, Wisconsin, I was raised by a village. I, I really was. And I wanted to give back. And the teachers, the educators, like my coaches were always there for me through good times and through bad times. And I actually went to college to play basketball and get into business. And all of a sudden I'm like, business, you know, a finance degree, I, I can't do that. I have to give back to, to kids. And I, I've loved that decision. So why yeah, is that, Mark? Why did you feel the need to give back to kids? It was, it's paid forward. It, it's absolutely pay it forward. You know, I have received hundreds and hundreds of gifts from people of encouraging me and supporting me through some really down, dark moments. And I just felt like I felt good when I received those gifts and um, was able to really build off of them. I wanted to be a part of that. So and working with kids is felt so natural. Frankly, it was easy working with kids, all kids. So it was cool. And you know a little bit about my story and I won't go too far into it. But growing up in with my grandparents um, over the years, um, it was really, really hard they did great work i really was raised as an only child i'm a sibling of four but because of my parents divorce and really difficult situations i moved in with my grandparents and they literally adopted me i'm not quite sure if the legal papers were there but they they literally adopted me and what was that impact on you it was so confusing my dad had left and my mom was raising us four kids just down the street from Grandma Roy, Grandpa Roy and Grandma Alice. And one day I just was living with um, Roy and Alice and my siblings were living uh, with my mom and dad. And I'm eight years old, second grade. And I just it was very, very confusing. 
one of the things, Mark, to me, the things that we say to and about ourselves when our inner critic is is raging is often difficult to process and understand the damage that that's causing to us. And I can only imagine growing up in that sort of situation, some of the things that you assumed about yourself that weren't true, that you had to overcome. What was what were some of those things that you had to battle and face from a confidence standpoint? Well, yeah. Uh, so on one hand, you're leaving your home, your siblings and your parents, and you know your mom is saying, I need help. I'm going to give you to grandma and grandpa. That's, that's tough when you start thinking about that and making meaning of that. Then on the other hand, it's like you have these two 62-year-old adults who are ready to get ready to retire, and they're like, yeah, come into my home, Mark, and we're going to raise you like you are our own child. So it's really this, this very, very opposing, this contrast of are you valued or not? And that constant back and forth about that. Yeah, and I can imagine it, probably that answer depended on the day. Depended on the situation, depending yeah, on absolutely. you know your circumstances as to am I going to live life with a chip on my shoulder and angry and bitter and uh, I don't compare to these my friends don't have this sort of situation you know this is unfair and on the other hand it sounds like your grandparents were awesome and amazing and invested and you know in some ways you had this gift of a of a clean slate. How do you determine each day, you know, when you're wrestling through all this, like what were some of your strategies that you used to stay in a, in a healthy space? Well, one of the strategies that I used is that I turn to athletics. Every waking moment from, I can remember from eight years old and probably until I was about 25 years old, I wanted to be, I was very, very competitive and I worked hard. I may not have been the most talented, but I nobody had this mindset that nobody's going to outwork me. Weren't um, you going to play for the Philadelphia 76ers <laughs> or something? What was that about? Yeah, I was going to be the shooting guard for the Philadelphia 76ers. And I had the plan. I mean, I was locked in, ready to go. A couple couple things were 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 uh, not aligned. Is that you know I wasn't good enough to begin with. <laughs> uh, you know, and my two point seven grade point average wasn't going to get me to Marquette where I wanted to go. And there, you know, that's a great that makes me laugh, Ben. That's yeah, a great. But you had some big ambitions, right? You had some. Big oh ambitions. yeah, and without sort of having an antidote or defense to those negative things, what do you think would have happened to you had you not chosen a positive outlet? What would have happened in your life? I mean, what would you guess would have happened? Oh, it's clear. Um, drugs, drinking, trouble with the law. I mean, that's that was the pattern. Uh, that, 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 I mean, that, that was passed. happening in your family, right? Yeah, that was, that, that that was, was, that that was, was the, the norm. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was very common. So, so you get you know, into sports and you say, hey, I'm, I'm not going to be that. My grandparents are modeling a different perspective for me. You get into sports, you fall in love with it. You sort of, cha you're channeling this. What sort of kid were you? What sort of athlete were you? What were you at like as a teammate? I was a very good athlete throughout. And um, I was that kid that was always competing up levels. So back in 1970s and their middle 70s, I mean, we didn't have AAU we had pickup games. So yeah. you're 12 years old, you play with the 12 year olds. And I did play, you know, against some of my classmates and such, but I was always 
working up and playing with, you know, the 16 year old kids and the 18 year old kids yeah. because I was finding success at that and I was being challenged. Yeah. Um, and the that. affirmations, right. Is, is, Hey, you're, you're valuable. You're worth something. Yeah. You're, yeah. we appreciate your work ethic. Okay. So you get through high school. How did you decide what to do after high school? I would imagine that was a pretty challenging decision of what to do next. Yeah, it was all about playing basketball and being an athlete. That's the reason I went to college. I mean, my grandparents, they never they never pushed me to go to college. Nobody went. To, I was, I'm first generation college kid in, in my family. Nobody. We didn't go to college. We went to work at the Cumsey in New Holstein. We mm. went to work in Kohler um, in Kohler. That's that's what that's what kids did. And good families, good kids. That's what they did. They went yeah. to work and. You switched that. You you said, you know what, I, I want more. You go to college, you graduate, you become a teacher. Run me through that. You're you're teaching now. How, what, how did your career progress from that? And what was your um, when, what was your confidence? What sort of journey were you on at that point? Oh, at that point, Ben, my my uh, overconfidence is just really raging. You know, I I love the spotlight. I love competing. I wanted to be better than everybody, and then. That translated into my coaching. I wanted my teams, our teams, to be the best that um, that we could. And winning defined me, Ben. When I was winning, I was valued. And it didn't matter if I was the athlete or if I was the coach. If if we were winning, if I was winning, I was valued. And when I and we weren't winning, then I didn't feel valued at all. And that's that whole overconfidence, underconfidence piece. And I loved teaching. I taught health education, physical education in children's schools. I was coaching and my wife and I had just gotten married and we were starting to have our family. So life was really, really good. But I was finding myself on these highs and lows all the time. I just mm -hmm. really never felt that balance. And that's because I either I was overconfident in, you know, really repelling relationships or I was underconfident. And I was killing myself um, with my anxiety. Yeah, and I think that's so common, especially with new leaders. I see it all the time, right? Getting that balance right. My, I did the exact same thing, Marcus. It was, it was, you know, you have this these moments of this place is really lucky to have me. I mean, they would be lost without the genius that I bring to this situation. Yeah. yeah. And then the next minute, you're like, what? What is wrong with me? How in the world could I miss that or miss that situation? And they might as well just let me loose because clearly I'm I'm not competent at this work. And what do you say to the leader who's listening to this? Who's like, I do that all the time right now. I'm on this roller coaster all day long of over and under confidence, and it seems to change with the audience. It seems to change on my situation. I just can't seem to find that confident sweet spot for me. What would you say to that leader? Yeah, that's a great question. The first thing that I would say is that um, it's a very, very common experience. It's normal to go through those ebbs and flows. And I consider myself very fortunate to uh, be friends and colleagues with some extremely, extremely successful and bright superintendents and educational leaders. And when things start to slow down a little bit, you have a little time to talk about it, is that you hear that inner critic. We all go through that. Yeah. And we all go through that. It's very, very normal, but none of us really want to talk about it. We don't necessarily want to believe it. You know, it's that whole overconfidence piece that we go, we want to mask it. I mean, you know, that's my teenage years. 
and early college. I, I, everything I did was trying to mask my past so that people didn't, didn't call me out and say, you know, here, oh, here comes the poor at risk kid. And I think that's so good because we all experience it. We all go through pick a topic and we're going to have confidence challenges. We all have them. The, the key isn't to, how do we avoid all those situations? The key is to, to be honest about that it's happening, that it's normal. And then what are we going to do about anticipating that sort of experience next time? So we don't go on this roller coaster, right? So we can get off right. of it much faster. Right. That's exactly it, Ben. And it's about breaking that cycle. And that's about doing the work. And oftentimes I use that language of you just got to do the work. And what does that mean? You know, what are those strategies? Those strategies are, is that reaching out to people that you trust, um, yeah. whether it be in readings or whether it be a podcast or whether it be Ben Foskey, the Ben Foskies of the world, you reach out to them and be vulnerable and be honest about where you're at and just simply say is that I, I want to do better. Yeah. I want to do the work to get better. So then fast forward, you're, you move on from there. You're no longer a, a an educator or a teacher anymore. You're now moving into administration. What did that look like? <laughs> oh, goodness. So, you know, it's what's what year is it? Like 1995. I just finished my seventh year of teaching in Chilton, Wisconsin. Just loved it and loved the people. And I still am uh, fairly close to a few of them. Uh, so I apply for a dean of students administrative position at Nina High School, Nina Joint School District. Ben, I didn't even know what the dean of students' job was. I just am like, I'm, I'm jumping into this thing. You're feeling it. You're ready. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. My, my confidence is rolling. My overconfidence. You're is welcome. Mark Derwalker is here. You're welcome. Yeah. yeah, I'm carrying the flag, and um, <laughs> you know the pure, the pure story about this is, is that I'm representing, and I worked 17 years in Nina schools, and I loved the experience. It was just amazing. Great people. Uh, great community. So this is a perfect example of where I was at. So I, in July, I get hired and I'm learning that I'm now I'm not wearing sweatsuits to school every day. I'm wearing suits, yeah. blue, black, red ties. And I get to a juvenile intake meeting at Winnebago County because I'm the administrator in charge of truancy at Nina High School. And I get into this juvenile intake meeting and they start using the word truancy. Okay. Yeah, play with it, Mark. Play with it. Just keep going. Play with it. I'm working through this. Ben, I don't know what the word truancy means. <laughs> and, there, and this is 95. I don't have a phone. You know, I can't excuse myself to go to the bathroom and go online and check what truancy means. I, I'm representing one of the finest high schools in, in Wisconsin as an administrator, blue suit, red tie, whatever. And I don't know what the word truancy means. But I certainly learned after that and I did the work, you know. But so your entire job, a big part of your entire job was a word you didn't even know. Right. How to spell it, what it meant. Yeah. Why are people using this strange word around me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fascinating, right? And because often I think people listening to this are gonna say, Hey, you know, before I take the next challenge, the next step, I need to have everything figured out. And, you know, and everyone who's been successful seems to have their life together the whole time. I mean, you know, it just isn't, it just isn't the case. Yeah. And it's okay. You know, it's, it's okay. okay. I, I giggle about it now, but I mean, I was really swimming. We have to build and, you know, that. We have to learn from that. We have to get competent in our work, right? It doesn't yeah. mean we, that, 
that's an excuse. But so you go through Nina um, and you make your transition ultimately to being superintendent of schools. How did that, what did that look like? Yeah, I went through Nina, uh, became the high school principal there and assistant superintendent there. And I just, you know, now I'm at this base camp, right? I'm staring up the mountain. I've been doing a lot of climbing and been doing a lot of work. Things have gone extremely well for me because people were supporting me. But humbly, I was also doing the work to continue to grow. And I just felt strongly that I wanted to be the executive of a school district because I wanted the values that I had learned through childhood, through my years in Chilton, through my years in Nina about creating a culture for a school district that was based on the arts of relationships and the science of the work. So I applied for that position in Kakana. And again, humbly, it was a perfect fit for Kakana. And it was a perfect fit for me. Everybody was ready to work on um, improving the culture and I yeah, and there are some dark days my skill set. in the district, right? Prior you to, to you coming, there are some difficulties that that district was going through, right? So how yeah. did you, what was your confidence journey as a brand new superintendent where now you have to have all the answers, you have to know what's going on. What was your journey through that? Well, it was really similar to my cycle of success, if you will, is that I would have a new opportunity, a new experience, and I would dig in a thousand percent and I would listen, learn and grow and keep doing the work. And then I would find myself at a new base camp and I'd have to decide for myself is that do I want to keep climbing? Do I want to keep climbing and, and keep growing? Most importantly, though, when I first came to Kakana, it was about rebranding the culture and it was about the idea of creating an enjoyable place to work and an enjoyable place to learn, work for our staff and learn for our kids and families. And everything that we did was always thinking about that balance. And you and I know the balance. You're, you're the author of the balance. It's the, it's the balance of pride in our work and it's the a balance of humility in our relationships. And at that moment in time, I didn't realize that authentic confidence was there and that is the you know the definition of authentic confidence but that's what that's what I was chasing that's what I was looking to instill with our teams and with our organizations and, and I it was, still remember Mark the first first time we met you sat me down and said Ben I was staring at my whiteboard yesterday why were you staring at your whiteboard that day share share that story so that was a moment. That was a choice, right? So it's about four or five years into our work in Kakana. And we really, you know, us as a team and a community had, we really had rebranded Kakana Area School District. We had done that together and just incredibly proud of the community and uh, staff and kids and families to do that. But personally, for me, I stood at that whiteboard in the middle of summer and I literally said aloud to myself is that if KSD is going to get better, I need to get better. The, the problem with that, Ben, was I didn't know how to get better. I, I didn't. I, I was I was stuck. I was at this plateau. Um, and what would have happened, Mark, if you had just stayed there, if you had just coasted, just retired, just said, hey, this is fine. I've worked hard. I deserve a breather. What would have happened? The energy, the pride that was being reestablished, the faith in our school community, the hope 
which can, as we all know, can be such a dangerous thing, I think would have would have come apart. We wouldn't have become the school district that everybody wanted to become. And I wanted to be a part of that. So it, it I was think that's a choice for all of us, right? That's a choice yeah. of when I think about my own work and my own confidence journey, that's not the life we're designed. When we sort of check out and go, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just hard. I'm, I'm tired. This, you know, this is, I'm, I'm not being appreciated. I'm not being valued. I'm not, you know, it's easy to say, you know, this is, you don't understand. I hear this all the time, Ben, you don't understand my situation. You don't understand my school board. You don't understand my board of directors. You don't understand my leader. You don't understand what I'm dealing with. And I don't, and I don't understand any of those things. However, all I know is when our inner critic starts raging at us like that and we start to discount ourselves, it emanates out yeah. into others. And yeah. so for you in that moment, you said, you know what, I've got one last big push to make in the school district and I'm going to make it. And I still remember when we first met, I was like, wow, uh, what a fascinating leader who really, really more than anything wants his legacy to be the impact that he made on the executive leaders and the educators. And the, I mean, you were so clear on the deposits you wanted to make uh, before you retired. And it's inspiring. Yeah, yeah. It's exciting to be around. It was a fun, it was a movement that you were creating to say, hey, this place is going to, not only are they going to be fine without me, but they are going to accelerate after I'm, I hang up my shoes here. Yeah. And, you know, thank you, Ben. I appreciate the, that, those kind words, but that was a, a, a transition for me as I started to think about what the end might look like and what my legacy might be, what our legacy might be. And I think legacy is a really important word and we shouldn't be afraid of it. If we think through and talk through legacy from a balanced approach, I think it can be extremely inspiring. And that's, you, you know, you said it is that when it was all said and done, when my chapter, when I, as a superintendent of Kakana Schools, I'm a caretaker of that organization. I don't own that organization. It's not my organization. I'm a caretaker of that. So when, when my caretaker role is over, I want that school district to be in a greater place than when I began doing the work with them. And that the new executive, the new superintendent, the new team could pick up just where we left off and didn't have to go back down the mountain. Mm -hmm. You know, the metaphor didn't have to go back down the mountain and start over. They, they could start at base camp nine and just look up at the summit and, and, and do the work. And I'll never so, forget, Mark, your, your closing speech <laughs> of your final year of Kakana Area School District and telling your story. I mean, most graduation ceremonies, it's loud. There's lots of people. It's outside. You know, it's, I don't know what percentage of people are paying attention, but it's, it's not 100%. It's nowhere, nowhere near that. And you could have heard a pin drop your entire presentation. And the, the resounding standing ovation, emotion, eruption of gratitude that came from the students and the staff, it was absolutely an amazing experience. And to me, what a great closing of that chapter. And so to me, so then, then 
The book isn't over though. End of the chapter. So then you turn the page and you say, okay, but but I'm I'm still young and fiery and ambitious and I still want to help. So how did you decide to do what's next and what are you doing now? I knew that I still had some gas in the tank and I needed to do the work, but I also felt that KSD needed a, a, a fresh view, a look. And I'll also say is that um, the challenges of public education today are great. They're great. There's, it's, just, it's just difficult work. And I've been blessed to be 57 years old and be able to retire at, at this age but also with the understanding of what's next and do the work. So it's the next chapter. I thought being, I thought the final chapter of Mr. D was being a superintendent. Well, if it's a 20 chapter book, I might be at about nine or 10 right now. So right now I am working for Rise Leadership, uh, my dear friend and mentor and coach, Ben Foskey. Do you know him? Um, <laughs> I've heard of him. Yeah, came to me and asked if I was interested in joining his firm and and continually do, working and doing his mission about um, helping people understand confidence and helping people grow their confidence. It's perfect. It's just been this perfect fit for me because, again, going all the way back, it's about paying it forward. I was raised by this beautiful village and so many people were there to support me. And I, I want to be one of those individuals that can help support others in their journey through this work and, and let them know is that regardless of where you started, regardless of where, what your story is, your story doesn't define you. Your story shapes who you are. And if we really work at it is that our story can be fuel for this big diesel engine that we'll run into mm -hmm. um, to do the work. So I am a um, executive confidence coach and um, I'm supporting you and everything that I can do and supporting our clients and in, in listening, learning and growing their confidence. Um, yeah. And it has been an absolute blast. I mean, the, your, your ability to do this work right from the get go, when we first met, I was like, wow, this, this individual is gifted at understanding these dynamics of leadership and you've modeled it already in a school district and you're now doing it with school districts all across the state, including corporations and others. So I can't be more thrilled than our first year together. And to me, one sort of the final question I have for you, Mark. So those superintendents or those corporations or the leaders that are listening out there to you now, they're saying, okay, great, Mark, you've made this transition. You're now helping people. But what advice would you have for me as I'm on this confidence roller coaster at times? And we don't understand every single situation people are in. But what advice would you have for leaders that are struggling through their own roller coaster of emotions? Yeah, it's an excellent question. My advice is, is that, that to really learn about who you are as a person, what's your story, really understand that. I, I've had a lot of conversations with people after they hear my story and they're like, wow, I never thought about my story like that. And I'm like, yeah, please do that mm -hmm. um, to make meaning of it all. Dig deeper into what you do well and what you need to improve upon. And, you know, and we call those great traits. What do you do well? What do you, and the growth traits are what is that you need to improve? Know them, own them, understand them. And don't get locked into the idea of that, oh my gosh, you know, I'm this executive, I'm a superintendent of schools, and I have 10 growth traits that I'm working on is that I'm the imposter, right? I don't belong here. No, that's, 
That's the message. That's the thought process that says, I do belong here because there's so many people, I think, that don't want to address their growth traits. So if we, we attack those growth traits and look to continue to work, it's, it's there. And the idea of perfectionism and the idea of always making sure that everything is just super shiny and perfect and it doesn't work. It, so it's what happens it's a Mark, dark alley. when someone when someone does this work with themselves and with their team, with their organization, what's possible? Transformation. What's possible is is that the moment you're standing in front of your whiteboard and that's true self-reflection saying I'm stuck and the uh, sleepless nights of wondering is the board of education going to non-renew me? That negative self-talk, it never goes completely away. But what's possible is that we can, can we can learn to manage what that is, be aware of what it is, learn to manage it, see the evidence, and not have to experience. What's possible is that we don't have to experience that pain that we go through with negative self-talk. We are very, we're capable of getting into what I refer to, what we refer to as the peace. And that's that balance of pride and relationship. And what happens in the organizations when leaders go through this evolution? What happens to their team? What happens to their organizations? It transforms their culture. It transforms individuals and it transforms their culture to be, you know, a a culture of progressiveness, a culture of, of growth, a culture of abundance versus a culture of scarcity. Love that. Yeah. And that's really, I mean, ultimately that's why we do the work, right? It's we're co-journeyers. We've been on the work. We've been on this journey together and it's just really fun to see people get clarity on what's possible. And Mark, I couldn't thank you enough. I can't thank you enough for being on the podcast with us. And when I think about the people who have, have been sort of put in my life, there are a handful of people that have just made enormous impacts. And I can't wait to talk to them all the time. I can't wait till our next conversation. I can't wait till the next project we're working on. And that's absolutely true of you, my friend. I can't wait to see uh, the great things you're going to do in your pseudo retirement, which I always say, dude, you didn't retire. You just, <laughs> you're on to the next chapter. Yeah, uh, I'm, because I'm I think, Yeah, I think uh, retirement was this summer and and now you're back in full swing of really doing great work and impacting people and just how amazing it is to think back, right? All the way back to your origin story of one of the most at-risk kids to come through your your area, to come through the state potentially. And here you are now helping as a teacher, you helped at-risk kids and then you started to help other educators and now you're helping superintendents and leaders own their stories. And it's just a powerful example of when we take when we take those nudges that we have to say, I can do better, I must do better, but how, how do I do that? And you take that lifelong perspective. That's why we do what we do at Rise Leadership and Authentic Confidence. We, you know, we're passionate about just helping people because we we're also on that journey ourselves. So as always, if you want to learn more, if you, if you go to benfosky.com, we have a free confidence profile for you that we designed uh, for you to learn and start your journey. And we want to help as many people as we possibly can start on this journey of authentic confidence. Because Mark and I both know the pain 
that comes from not being in good place in a good place where our inner critic is raging. We know the pain and the frustration that comes with that. And we also know the power of the breakthrough. We also know the power of getting aligned with what you want to do with your career, getting aligned with your team, getting movement in one direction where people are really bringing out the best in each other. And that's what we want for you. So go to benfosky.com, download the free, or take the free confidence assessment on our homepage. And Mark, can't thank you enough, my friend. Thank you for being a guest on our podcast. And you, um, to all the rest of you, um, really, all the best to you on your confidence journey. And please let us know if there's anything else we can do to help. Take care. Thank you.